the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. We are joined now by John C. Goodman, Senior Fellow at the Independent Institute, President of the Goodman Institute for Public Policy Research, and author of the widely acclaimed A Better Choice, Healthcare Solutions for America, and the award-winning Priceless, Hearing the Healthcare Crisis. John, thanks for being on the program. Glad to be with you. I want to start by talking about a piece that you've got in National Review called uh, The Conservative Identity Crisis. And I think, I, I think any time a, a political party or a, or a political movement uh, you know, loses an election, there's always some introspection, and there's always some, some thinking about, you know, where do we go from here? Do we need to make changes, uh, et cetera? And so uh, a lot of conservatives are, 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 are thinking about those things these days. And why don't you just lay out for our listeners uh, the, the case that you make here in the conservative identity crisis? Well, I think there's a real division among right-of-center thinkers that uh, we've kind of swept under the rug and people haven't talked about, but I think it's becoming more relevant these days, especially uh, with the results of the last election. And uh, there's a division between people who look to the past and who see conservatism as mainly preserving traditions, uh, history, institutions, and people who uh, want to reform institutions, liberate people, change the world. And it's this latter point of view that I think appeals to the young. And if we want college students and, and young people to become engaged with right of center thinking, we need to be the movement of reform. Yeah. And uh, when we think back on, on when conservatism was really moving forward in America, uh, I think you can say it was forward-looking. I think back to the Reagan era when, when the Democrats were really backward-looking and their theme was uh, young people, get over it. This is the new normal, you know, stagflation, decline. America's never going to be great again. And at that time, conservatives both here and I think in Europe really did have a, a reformist, forward-looking agenda that did appeal very strongly to young people. Yes, that was an exciting time. The last, uh, think of it as the last quarter of the uh, 20th century, uh, led by Margaret Thatcher in England, Ronald Reagan in the United States. But really what was happening all over uh, Eastern Europe is we were smuggling in books by Milton Friedman and Ayn Rand and other people. And and uh, there was a, uh, a rightward movement all over the world. And what were people talking about? For, for the last 25 years of the 20th century, they were talking about the flat tax private Social Security at, uh, accounts, uh, privatization, deregulation. The left really had nothing to say. The left was intellectually bankrupt. And uh, when the left did say things, they talked about our ideas, not their ideas, because they didn't have any ideas. Well, that's kind of true today, isn't it? I mean, I, it's, it's not like anybody is looking to the left for uh, intellectual guidance. The left is more the source of uh, totalitarianism, cancel culture, and, and, and so forth. 
Well, that's true. But but as we entered the 21st century, I think the right lost its bearings, and um, and we don't see we seem to be floundering, <laughs> and we don't seem to be putting forward a reform agenda uh, with the same enthusiasm, with the same energy that you saw during the Reagan-Thatcher years. Well, let's talk about that. Let's let's get specific. In your article uh, in National Review, you talk about some of the items of the reform agenda that conservatives ought to be pressing. What 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 are some of them? Well, if you think about it, uh, the left talks about the minority community and how um, uh, minorities have been marginalized, discriminated against, which is certainly true. Uh, but what do they propose to do about it? Well, they don't have any answer. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is that black families in inner cities all across the country all too often are forced to send their children to the worst schools. They're living in the worst housing. Uh, they're subjected to the worst environmental harms. And the left has no answer to this. Uh, there is a free enterprise answer, uh, a liberation answer. And on education front, it's school choice. Um, uh, in, in Florida, the governor won, uh, Republican governor won 30% of the black vote just um, by promoting school choice. Um, but but it, there, there are not enough conservative candidates uh, focused on those issues. On housing, um, California's most liberal state in the country has the highest rate of homelessness in the whole country. And that's because they don't allow developers to build housing that uh, ordinary people can afford. So, so the, the problems of the minority community are typically problems that are created by government. And to, to make lives better, we have to reform those institutions. Uh, the left uh, created them. They inherited them. Uh, they, uh, they're poor defenders of them. Uh, but on the right, uh, we don't see any, any focused uh, attempt to reform these institutions. We are talking with uh, John Goodman. We will be back with uh, more with John Goodman after these messages. The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is, this is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. We are talking with uh, John Goodman about his article in National Review titled The Conservative Identity Crisis. And John, before the break, uh, you were talking about uh, the fact that liberal policies have really completely failed, particularly minority and particularly uh, relatively poor um, people who, who live in deep blue cities. And um, that really should create an opportunity for conservative ideas, shouldn't it? Of course. Now, if you think about the way the Democratic Party campaigns for votes in the minority community, uh, what does it do? It, it engages in race baiting. And we have some high-profile cases of where a, a black teenager was, was abused uh, by the police, for example. And, and that's their campaign. Uh, that we live in a racist society and you should vote for us because we're not racist. And that's all they have to say. Uh, they don't have any solution to any real problems. Um, the conservative answer to that should be that, uh, look, uh, black families are trapped in bad schools. They're, they're not allowed to send their children to better schools. And, uh, and that's wrong. And uh, I believe that's an, 
that's an issue that would resonate in the black community. Uh, uh, all black families, um, there's a difference between bad schools and good schools. Uh, it's right. common in the minority community for uh, for families to uh, 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 lie about where they live so they can send their children to a better school. And uh, and and we need to uh, take the position or look. Everybody shouldn't have to lie. That should be a right. We should have school choice. You know, you talk about bad schools, John. Uh, just a day or two ago, I, I wrote a piece on my my website, Powerline, about a movement that is afoot in America's public schools to decree that mathematics is racist. And math is racist because of its emphasis on getting the right answer uh, and and also the idea of showing your work. You know, this is, this is white supremacy. Uh, according to these liberals who are trying to reform public education so that students are don't don't focus on actually getting the right answer to a math problem or a, or a physics problem it seems to me john that i can't imagine anything that uh, public educators could do that would be more damaging to the academic prospects of children and especially black children because that's what they're talking about that's what all this is directed at than telling them not to worry about getting the right answer on a test Yes, it's dumbing down education, and that doesn't help anybody. Uh, it doesn't also doesn't help anybody in New York City to uh, place minority children in classes with children who score several hundred points better than they do on on exams. Uh, so, so again, the left has no solution to any of these problems. Uh, we know that there are charter schools around the country that do remarkably well uh, with black students, and um, and those are choice schools. Uh, we know there are magnet schools in every major city that, that compete for students uh, with with other schools. So we know competition works. We know specialization can work. Uh, once you once you get out from under the control of the teachers' unions uh, and let teachers teach, uh, uh, students do really well. And yet what we see from the Democrats is an initiative now in the Biden administration to crack down on charter schools. The uh, constituency for Democratic candidates is not children. Children don't vote. Their constituency is the unions. And, uh, you know, you have the same problem with the teachers' unions as you do with police unions in a lot of our large cities. And that is you can't fire the bad apples. In education, you can't fire the bad teachers. And the union sees it as its role to protect the worst teachers. You don't need to protect good teachers, so they're there to protect the bad teachers. And we're seeing this all across the United States. Uh, it's it's worse in some areas, uh, you know, the deep blue cities than others. But the but the uh, the, the role played by the teachers' unions is uh, is pernicious everywhere we look. You know, another thing you talked about in your uh, National Review piece, John, is uh, occupational licensing. And and here again, when you look at the occupations that are subjected to just irrational uh, bureaucratic requirements, hair braiding, you know, nails, you know, that kind of thing. It, you know, it's, it's hard not to think that they're just deliberately set up as obstacles to you know, low-income and minority people breaking into some of these lines of work. I don't think they're overtly racist, but they have a racist impact. Uh, and they affect everybody who's not already in the profession. So the estimate is that uh, almost one in three jobs in the United States requires a government license. It's almost like the return of the medieval, medieval guild system. And uh, 
they keep making the requirements tougher and tougher to get into the profession, to be a barber, to, to, to style hair, uh, to do almost anything these days. You have to pass exams and get tested. Uh, and often the test has nothing to do with uh, meeting the needs of the, of the customer. So, um, and, and by the way, uh, they always grandfather everybody who's already in the profession. So if you're a hairstylist and they have a new requirement that people have to meet uh, new testing, for example, to become a hairstylist, everybody who's already been licensed is grandfathered. They don't have to do this. So obviously the motive is not to enhance the uh, quality of care for the uh, customer. It's to keep people out. And that's that's almost always what occupational licensing is designed to do, keep new entrants out of the market. We're talking with John Goodman. And, John, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more that conservatives have an agenda that can and should resonate with, with low-income voters. I think we saw that in the Trump administration, didn't we, in the 2020 election? I think that uh, the administration's policies did resonate with a lot of those voters. Uh, Trump did a, a lot of remarkable things that even Trump seemed to be unaware of. The, the one area of the economy that was most deregulated was health care. Uh, and Trump never really talked about it. But as we entered last year, it was illegal for doctors un, under Medicare uh, to talk to their patients by phone, by email, by Skype, by Zoom. But by law of Congress, it was illegal. Well, the Trump administration had been working for three years uh, to... Uh, to make that possible. And then when COVID hit, Congress, as an emergency measure, uh, allowed uh, the suspension of that law that was brought about because of the Trump administration. And Trump never talked about it. If he, if he had just yeah. held his cell phone up and said, you yeah. can talk to your doctor by phone now because of me, uh, he would have gotten a lot more senior votes and he might have won. Yeah. John Goodman, thank you so much for being on the Dan Prof Show. we got to run to a break. We'll be back with more after these messages. Listen to the podcast of the show at danprofshow.com. 